All right, well, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas again. I hope you guys had a great Christmas despite the restrictions that we had uh, with your family, your loved ones, and I pray that uh, it has been restful uh, for each and every one of you. I know that as this year comes to a close, it has been quite another year. Everyone was writing off 2020, and then looking at 2021, uh, people had a lot of hope and anticipation that it would be different but it looks like it's going to look the same. And as we go into 2022, sometimes it can feel like we're in a muck where we're just dragging our feet. We don't know if things are going to change or not. And so as we wrap up this year um, with this final sermon for 2021, I pray that the passage that we read together today in Isaiah and the word that comes out today as we share from Isaiah, I pray that it will give new hope and new life to each and every one of you as we uh, journey through uh, this passage together. You know, today we're concluding our series on the Compassionate Father. It was our Advent series that we're doing, and today is the last day. Last week was the first part of a little mini-series in the Compassionate Father where we talked about God has spoken mercy into our life. God has spoken mercy into our life. And today we're going to wrap that mini-series up by God has spoken our name. So he has spoken our true name to each and every one of us. So a couple of months ago, um, there was a leak that I experienced in my laundry room. And this leak was so annoying. And I tried to fix it myself, couldn't do it. It kept leaking. And so finally, I had to call a contractor. And so the contractor came. And after a few, uh, a few meetings, we finally settled on, on the work that was to be done. He started coming over. And within the first week, as he was working my laundry room and trying to fix uh, this leak that was happening, I noticed every time he was an older, like he was an older Polish man with a very, very thick accent. I troubled sometimes understanding him. So he kept calling me over the first five days. He kept calling me Eugene. And so I kept correcting him saying, my name is Eddie. But it got to the point where we became a little bit uncomfortable always correcting him. I kind of felt badly to keep reminding him maybe you know, he keeps forgetting, maybe whatever is going on in his mind. And so then I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to answer to Eugene from now on. And so whenever he would call, he'd say, Eugene, come over here. And so i just come and act as if my name was Eugene and, and deal with him. One time, I was working in my basement. And as I was in my basement, my son came running down. And he said to me, Dad, Dad, hurry up and come. He, he's looking for a man named Eugene. I don't know who he is, but he needs to find him right now. And so I said, don't worry, son, I'll handle this. And so I just went upstairs and I just asked him, hey, what's going on? How can I help you? And we went on from there. You know, for a lot of us, um, whether it's someone who calls you a, by a different name and that's not who you are, sometimes we grow up with certain nicknames because of something that we have done or an attribute that we are known for. And in my youth years, the nickname that I had growing up in my youth years was Grease Monkey. And so there was this older guy in my youth, and he gave me that nickname. He said, you're such a Grease Monkey. And then finally, I just asked him one day, why are you calling me Grease Monkey? Where's that coming from? And he goes, oh, because you're like a monkey, right? I noticed that monkey see, monkey do, and you uh, catch things on really quickly. You see, you do. And I went, okay, so why not just call me Monkey? Why do you add Grease in front of Monkey? And he goes... Oh, I don't know. Somehow, Greece seems to fit your image. 
right? So I don't know exactly what he meant by that, but that nickname stuck. And so I grew up being known as Grease Monkey. Now, for each one of us, before we go on into our passage today in Isaiah, and the name that we all carry ourselves, we all have a certain name that we're associated with, your name that you've been given at birth. But I'm sure some of you guys have come have developed a nickname as you're growing up because of a certain thing that happened in childhood or an attribute that you're known for. And, you know, sometimes some of the nicknames that we have, uh, we, we received it because of certain positive attributes that we were known for. But sometimes... Certain nicknames, they stick with us because of a negative attribute. Because something that happened uh, to us or something that we did by mistake, and from that moment on, it had stuck with us. And as it sticks with us, it haunts our, our hearts and our minds every time something similar happens. And as we kind of spiral back to that moment and we feel like, see, that is like a curse. See, that is who I am. And we become discouraged by that other name. You know, for me, that kind of name, because of my personality trait or my character, uh, one of the things that I despised about myself was my timidity. There are times where I was growing up, where and when this timidity happened, I don't know exactly and I can't pinpoint, but timidity was it. And there are certain moments in our life, in my life, where I felt like I needed to be a little bit more courageous in this situation, but my timidity uh, kicked in and I would just keep my mouth shut and then I would just absorb it. There are other points where I felt like I just need to move forward and to believe that that would happen and then my timidity would come in and I would feel like, no, I shouldn't, and I would live with that regret over and over and over again. For me, that nickname that kind of stuck with me, that kind of always drags me down, is timidity. You know, for others of us, it may be words that are associated like failure. There's a moment that we failed on a certain big project that we're trying to do and the little things that we do well, but whenever it's a big thing, we don't want to dream big. Because we felt that every time we tried, we, we became disappointed because we always seem to fail when it really matters. Other of us, maybe it's loser. We feel like we always lose out on certain things. How about cluts? That every time we try something, we always end up breaking things, tripping over our two left feet. Some of us, we feel like a jinx. We feel like a jinx on other people, on the social relationships that we're a part of. And others of us, it's loner. For some reason, we feel that there's always this disconnect between us and others. We look at all the other social relationships that are around, and we look at all the friends that we have, and we always feel like others are closer, and I'm always left on the outside. See, in today's passage, we discover two such personalities that felt like they had a name that excluded them from certain blessings in their life, and it kept cycling back to them. And uh, Isaiah addresses it in this passage. If you have your Bible with you, please open it up with me to Isaiah chapter 56, verses 1 through 8. Isaiah 56, verses 1 through 8. I'll be reading from the NIV, and I invite you to read along. It reads this. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice. And do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, 
who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps their hands from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord said, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuch who keeps my Sabbath, who, cho- uh, who choose to please Uh, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord and to be His servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Father, as we continue in today's word, I pray your Holy Spirit Will you speak into our hearts and to our minds, into those deepest recesses that needs to hear these words and your words to call to life again, those areas of our heart and our mind, our personhood that has been deadened by our sin, that has been deadened by constant reminders, Father Lord, of our brokenness. May you bring it back to life through the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we uh, really unpack these eight verses in Isaiah 56, I want to make sure that we see the context of this passage in the whole of Isaiah. Um, Isaiah, it looks like it's broken up into three sections, chapters 1 through 39, and then 4 to 55, and then from 56 all the way to 66. And so this chapter that we just read today, it opens up the third and final section that we read in Isaiah. And the first two sections can be seen as foundation builders for what is happening in the third. What some scholars, they have stated, is that what Isaiah 56 in the very beginning verse does, it it summarizes the first two sections of Isaiah, from Isaiah uh, 1 to 39 and 40 to 55. Look at what he says in verse 1a, the first part of uh, verse 1. He says, maintain justice and do what is right. When you read chapters 1 through 39, a lot of scholars say that, hey, this summarizes what chapters 1 through 39 is basically about. The message of Isaiah in 1 through 39 is maintain justice and do what is right. I like a different translation that is offered by another Bible scholar, and he writes it like this. Guard decision-making. Act in faithfulness. That foundation of 1 through 39 is guard your decision-making and act in faithfulness. 
And then again, scholars look at uh, the second part of verse 1, verse 1b, and they say this looks like it summarizes chapters 40 all the way to 55, which is, for my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. In other words, don't give up. Keep maintaining justice and do what is right because my righteousness will be revealed. It is coming. Don't give up. Keep doing it. So with these two foundations that summarize the first two sections, Isaiah then offers the outcome of what happens when you do this. That when you maintain good decision making and you act in faithfulness and you're having this hope of knowing even when things seem dry, even when nothing else is going right in your life, but you keep on holding to this, he says this will happen in verse 2. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps their hands from doing any evil. This seems to set up the theme that Isaiah is making in in the verses 1 through 8 in 56. And here's a central idea that I want to share with you guys today. It's this. Faithfulness and trust, it overthrows a bad name. Faithfulness and trust, it overthrows a bad name. What do I mean by this? Well, verses, verse 3, it seems to emphasize God's importance that he places on faithfulness and trust. You see, within the people of Israel, there was this sense of elitism or entitlement that came along with those who maintained a pure bloodline, who maintained their identity as we are the sons and daughters of Abraham. We are Israel. And being Israel, we are entitled to. We automatically inherit all of God's blessing. But there were two people among the people of Israel that always felt like they were outsiders to that blessing. And it was this. He mentions them here. He says, these are two types of people that were among them. They were the foreigner and the eunuch. You see, he addresses these people who always felt like they're still with the people. They're still doing the same thing that the people are doing. They're included. They're eating with them. They're fellowshipping with them. But deep in their hearts and in their minds, they always feel there's still a wall. There's still a distance. There's still a separation. They're not truly in. The crutch that the foreigner carried in his heart and in his mind was this, that they always felt like that they were the outsiders, even though they lived within that country, within that people group. You see, they were living by the same rules, the same regulations. They were doing all the same stuff that everyone else was doing, but for some reason, they felt that they were not included in the full benefits of the rest of the people of Israel. I'm not sure if any one of you have lived in a foreign country before. I know that Michaela just experienced it, right? When you moved to the UK, and then when you moved there, just trying to get a bank account, how difficult was that, right? How frustrating, where they would say, nope, sorry, you're a foreigner, nope, sorry, something that is so easy, where we used to say, here's my money, 
I just want to deposit it. I actually have money. Let me open up a bank account. Nope, you need this paperwork. You're a foreigner. Nope, sorry. And so sometimes when we live in a foreign country, we feel like, wow, everything's the same. We're paying the same kind of taxes. We're doing everything, the same responsibilities, and we're bound by the same rules. But somehow, it seems like it's a little bit more difficult that we don't have the same freedoms and the same access to benefits as the rest of the people do. You know, the crutch of the eunuchs was very similar too. They served a noble purpose, serving the kings of the court. But the thing is, they were castrated to make sure that they wouldn't sleep with the king's wives and, and things like that. And so for them, their prosperity that they had in their mind, the people of God knowing that our name will extend forever. They felt like the eunuchs felt there's shame in their personhood because they couldn't participate in that future of Israel. Their future ended with them. They would never have an opportunity to bear children and they felt like that future blessing that God wants to give and how I am part of that through my children and my children's children. The eunuchs, they felt this sense of shame and this cut-offness from that future blessing that they saw the rest of the people participated in. They felt emptied in that one area of their life. So no matter how faithful they were to their king, no matter how perfectly they would serve in the king's court. That dread of emptiness was always with them. But look how God responds to that identity, to those two names in verses 4 to 6. God says both to the eunuch and to the foreigner, he says to them, your access to my blessing is never defined by your name, by your position. He reminds them that access to this blessing has nothing to do with bloodline, has nothing to do with whether you carry the name Israel or you can trace your, your genealogy back to Abraham or not. Even when you're a foreigner, even when you're a eunuch, you still have access to the fullness of my blessing. He says this access is not determined by bloodline. It's not determined by, hey, that person has a better family lineage that they live by. He says it is determined by faithfulness and trust. God's blessing is determined by faithfulness and trust. That any person, no matter where they're coming from, no matter what their background is, he says you have access to this through faithfulness and trust. Remember in verse 1, Isaiah summarized the first two sections. He said, guard decision-making, act in faithfulness, so that, he says, you will experience God's salvation and His right righteousness. You see, in short, God says His blessing on our life is never determined by whatever name that we carry, by whatever nickname that has been attached to us, by whatever family background that we have come from. He says, you have the same access as everyone else. I, I know that at times other people seem more advantaged than we are. 
But God reminds the foreigner and the eunuch, it's faithfulness and trust that gives you access to the fullness of my blessing. Then Isaiah, he clarifies what he means by these two things, by repeating to the eunuch, here's what faithfulness and trust looks like in a practical way. He says, keep my Sabbath and hold fast my covenant. See, he repeats it twice. He says it first to the eunuch, you who feel like a dry tree, you who feel like you're ashamed by your emptiness, you who feel like you don't have a name that will last beyond you. He says, I will give you a name that is better than sons and daughters. And he says, if you will, keep my Sabbath and hold to my covenant. In the same way, he says to the foreigner, the same message. He says to them, I know you feel left out at times, and I know you feel like surely I'm excluded because I don't deserve it, and I'm not part of them, and, and you know, I, I don't get to receive the same benefits as a people if I was born in into that family. And he goes, no. He says, you had that same access. Keep the Sabbath and hold to my covenant. To simplify, it means this. He's basically saying to the foreigner and to the eunuch, keep your worship of God the center of your life. Keep your worship of God the center of your life. See, brothers and sisters, when we fail to do this, we are often driven by other values. That we live by whatever world values are passed down to us. That we look at majority culture that's around us and everyone else is having children for the person who's the eunuch. And, and everyone else seems to be having a great family life and we are missing out because we can't have children. And he says, when you hold fast to that, then our mindset becomes all about that and all about what we're missing out on. And God turns their lens around and says, hold to my Sabbath. Don't skip out on your worship with God. A lot of times we get so discouraged and we run away. We feel like there is no answer. God can't change me. And God says, no, keep drawing near to me. Stop skipping out on Sunday worship. Stop skipping out on your time with God. He says, come to me and keep on coming to me because remember what he reminded us. In the second half of verse 1, he says, My righteousness will be revealed. Hold fast to this, he says. My righteousness will be revealed to you. See, brothers and sisters, sometimes it takes a lot of time for our old nicknames to be broken. And the pursuit of our life not to be driven by that value anymore. And every time we come into God's presence, a little bit more of that chip on our shoulder and that wrong directed values is broken in the truth of his name. This is why, this is part of the reason why we come to God in worship and we bind ourselves to him. Rather than anchoring ourselves on other hopes and other institutions and other, and, and other certainties that we, that we want to, uh, to be a security for our life. He says, bind yourself to me. Don't let go of me. He says this in verse 6. 
He says, and to the foreigner who bind themselves to the Lord. He says, no matter what, just stick with him, he says. Wherever he goes, just stick with him. And sometimes in our life, we don't stick with him. We stick with our pain. We stick with our darkness. We stick with our emptiness. And then we disengage. You know, I remember many uh, family gatherings that we had over our Christmas season. And part of the tradition of our family is that we would always gather together on Christmas and also on New Year's Day. And on New Year's Day, um, we have this kind of family tradition that's cultural where we bow to our elders. And as we bow to our elders, the younger ones, we say this. We say, may you you experience blessings in this upcoming year. So as we're bowing, that's what we say. May you experience blessings in this upcoming year to our parents. And then our parents in response speaks a blessing over us. And what they say is they're saying... I pray that this new year will bring health, you know, will bring prosperity, will bring whatever to our life. And we do that. And the best part of that, and none of our kids are really listening for that kind of word or verbal uh, kind of blessing. We're waiting for the money, right? Because what comes right after that, they said here, right? And they give us money. And this is like the best part for our ki- for the young kids because we know that on New Year's Day, we will get a lot of money from our relatives. I remember one time when we went together, uh, we had visa students, um, homestay students in our in our house, and uh, as they were staying over the um, over the Christmas break, you know, we're not going to leave them at home. We just said, "Hey, come." to our family gathering, you know, we get to eat good food there and then we'll play some games there and then we'll come back. And they had this kind of like attitude of, no, I don't belong. I don't want to go. I feel so uncomfortable. You know, I don't want to be there. And we just say, just come. You have to eat. We don't want you to be alone. And so we would literally drag them with us to these family gatherings. And as, they, and as we would gather, you know, they would kind of slink off to the corner Right? And just have this kind of like, they would have this posture that mimicked their thinking, which was, I don't belong. Right? I'm not part of them. I don't get to celebrate like they do. Right? I'm just a foreigner. I'm an outsider. And even though they got to taste the food and they got to eat this great food, there's no difference in terms of what they ate and what we ate. We didn't give them pizza while we ate this fancy food. We ate the same thing, but still, even when they grab their food and they're eating it, they're still slinking off to the corner somewhere and just eating it by themselves without participating, without joining in. And finally came the part that all of us young people are waiting for, the bowing so that we can get our money. And again, they're slinked off on the side saying, like, they're not my parents, right? And we're not part of this family. We get excluded from this blessing too. And from the youngest to uh, my age at that time when I was a teenager, everyone's doing their bowing. Everyone's getting money. And they're still slinked off in the corner feeling left out, feeling like it's not part of their life. And I love what my parents did at that time. Where my parents would look at them and just saying, why are you guys come? Right? Come and bow to us. I know it sounds bad in English, but they said, come and bow to us. Right? And so they're 
kind of felt sheepish. And so finally we would drag them out and then they would do their bow half-heartedly, you know, not really into it because I think in their mind they're saying all we're doing is a tradition thing, but we're not going to get anything out of it, right? We're Surely we're excluded, right, from this blessing. And after they would do it, my parents would bring out like a larger amount of money because they're not going to force other relatives to give them uh, money, but they would give them even more than what they gave their own children, right? And they say, here, blessings to you in this new year. I pray that this year will be full of great study for you, good friends, good health, and they would receive that. And you could see their eyes begin to change a little bit in terms of, I have the same access to the blessing that these sons and daughters have. Of course, from my perspective, I said, no, you don't have the same act. You got even more, right? I wanted that much. And they gave you even more money. But for them, they got to experience. There's no difference. All they had to do was bind themselves, was just show up. And by showing up, you know, if my parents, who are broken people as well, are able to extend this kind of mercy, this kind of grace, this kind of blessing, not showing partiality. How much more God? This is why he says to the foreigner and to the eunuch who always slink off to the corner and who are determined to live by this name. I'm a foreigner. Of course I'm excluded because that's what they kept reminding themselves of. I'm a eunuch. Of course, my future ends with me. God keeps saying, bind yourself to me. Live by a different name. The name that I give you is not foreigner. It's not eunuch. You are my sons and daughters. I love how Isaiah 56 ends in this passage in in verse 8 and verse 7. He says, as you draw near, and remember, he talks about this binding language, and he goes, come to my house of prayer, and we see his house name change. Not no longer, I'm the God of Isaac, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't change it, he doesn't just repeat that. He says, come to my house of prayer, which is now called a house of prayer for, he says, all nations. Everyone, he says. Does anyone who continues in faithfulness and trust, you are mine. It's the only thing that is needed. It's better and it overthrows any bad name that we have, any curse that we feel like we have because of us, because of the name that we carry. For myself, timidity, whenever I come to the house of the Lord, of all nations in prayer, and I bind myself to him. No longer does God continually put, allow me to think of myself as timid. He says to me, no longer you have been given a spirit of timidity, but of courage and strength and of sound mind. You see, brothers and sisters, he does the same for each and every one of us. He calls out inside of us our true name, his own. And his own 
are given this covenant promise by God where he says, I will reveal my righteousness to you. See, when we bind ourselves to the Lord, he brings us into that space that it changes our hearts, changes the name that we've developed for ourselves. I know that as this end year, this year ends and we're all uncomfortable on, online and sometimes it's embarrassing to do it, but I don't want this year to end without us having this opportunity and your own places where you're living right now is a place where you can meet with God. His house of prayer for all nations is not just in a church building. It's anywhere that we can enter in because of the name of Jesus Christ. And if you feel embarrassed to do this on screen, I don't mind. Turn off your screen, right? But I want you to do this. I want us to bind ourselves to the Lord. And I want it to be shown in our posture as well. Not thinking off in the corners of saying, yeah, it's not going to work for me. You know, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I'm part of it. I don't think that my, my, my heart's in the right place. Don't worry about your posture. Don't worry about your heart feelings. Bind yourself to God. And let's show it. And I want to invite you to, in your own places, just get on your knees. And go into this throne room of grace where God invites us in and hear from him the name that is above every other name and this name that speaks truth and hope and healing to each and every one of us. Let's just be saturated by his presence at this time. So brothers and sisters, if you are able, let's get on our knees and uh, you'll see me go off screen um, I'm just bending on my knees so you won't be able to see my face anymore. But I want to join you in, in this in my own house. So let's get on our knees. And as we are on our knees, let's say to God, Lord, no longer may I say I'm only a foreigner or I'm only a eunuch and I'm excluded from your blessing. Today, I repent of this false name that I've been living by, that I've been haunted by. I surrender that to you. And I pray, Father, that I will bind myself to you. I will keep Sunday worship. I will keep my Sabbath. I will keep this covenant with you. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for blessing us with this final Sunday of this year. And as we look in into next year, may next year be a year, despite the uncertainties, despite all the exhaustion that we have, may it be a year where we bind ourselves to you, Lord, where we hold fast to your covenant above all things, Lord, and by doing so, Lord, we are able to see you continually reveal your righteousness and your goodness to us. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you both now 
as this year ends and as a new one begins and forevermore. Amen.